I love this score. It is one of my all-time favorite movie scores ever. Uh, and let's see if you guys can place it. It sounds familiar, right? It's got like a little bit of Spielberg in there. It's definitely a little playful and scary and dark. Uh, you, you probably guessed it if you looked at one of the graphics uh, for this episode, but it is the score from The Return of Godzilla, or for American audiences, uh, Godzilla 1985 which was the official reboot of the series after the legendary Honda run that uh, started with the original and went through the 60s and 70s. Uh, and this was my favorite time period for Godzilla movies. Uh, I felt like they just got darker, the suits got cooler, um, and uh, I love the 80s, late 80s Tokyo neo-noir stuff. I'm a big fan of the Japanese animation from that time period. Uh, obviously, Akira and Ghost in the Shell. Um, and I felt like this Godzilla movie kind of lived in the same universe as all that stuff. Uh, so really cool stuff. So I want to welcome you guys to uh, the second uh mini episode for in love with the process um what is a mini episode well these are generally episodes that are a little bit shorter they kind of go really off on a tangent into something specific um i'm usually the one hosting it and we won't do any sponsor reads or ad reads for the show um and this episode i'm really excited about this episode is about movies that shape us as kids and uh, define us as adults. Uh, that's a big thing, especially with my generation and the generations after that. People uh, grew up watching movies. Some folks grew up with a television as a babysitter. Um, and a lot of these movies from the 80s and from the 90s have really shaped the modern storyteller at least with film. For nearly 3,000 years, man has searched for the lost Ark of the Covenant. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. Not something to be taken lightly. It is protected by forces beyond imagination. It is desired above all treasures on Earth by those who are good, trust me, and those are evil. I tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Raiders of the Lost Ark. makes sense because a lot of the filmmakers that are finally successful that are finally working and doing larger projects are, are about in their 40s 30s and 40s uh, some in their 50s um, and of course like myself you're always going to go back to uh, the movies that 
initially scared us, those movies that initially got us really excited. Twelve men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live, inside, where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? He can beat one of those things! Today, I want to talk with you guys about a few of the films that really have shaped my career, really have shaped the work that I love. Um, and uh, for those of you who are about my age, you're going to go, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> but there's a lot of younger listeners out there, and I'm always very surprised when I talk to uh, young filmmakers um, that they haven't seen these, these epic movies, these, these movies that I feel like have shaped a generation. Um, and it, you know, it's, I guess that's just part of getting older, right? You know, like if you go back and you hang out with some of the greats, you hang out with Scorsese or you hang out with Spielberg, uh, or hang out with John Carpenter and they'll be talking about directors like Howard Hawks. And as a kid, I was like, who the fuck is Howard Hawks? <laughs> um, but he completely shaped those guys. And when you look at the movies, at least when I go back and look at the movies that I really love, um, all those directors were inspired by the earlier generation of directors. And it's, it's such a cool thing. The language of cinema is so interesting because it continues to evolve and it continues to grow and it continues to be inspired by itself. Um, and the notion generally is that the newer things get, the better they get, right? Like the newer the technology is, the better the technology is. You know, if you can do stuff with CGI, you can create all new worlds, you can blow this stuff up. But the funny thing is, is it all this new tech doesn't necessarily make the movies better, right? And we hear that a lot, where people are like, yeah, the, the, some of these new movies just don't feel like they have the substance, they don't feel like they have the same uh, effect on us. Um, and there's a lot of factors, I think, in that, and, and depending upon who's saying these things, like if you're an older person saying this, then you might just be fueled by nostalgia, which is true. I mean, that's why Stranger Things was so successful, is that uh, 80s nostalgia that really, really put that show over the top. I mean, it's a great show. It's written well. Uh, it's got a fantastic cast, really great actors, but the 80s nostalgia really made that show into something special. So there's nothing wrong with nostalgia, but... Uh, there's just something interesting in how I can go back and do an examination of the greats in my mind. Uh, directors like uh, Kurosawa, uh, like Howard Hawks, uh, and even through the 80s, looking at Spielberg or um, uh, Joe Dante, um, obviously John Carpenter, and even uh, Ridley Scott. Um, I can go back and take a lot of the techniques that those guys were doing at that time and use them today and have them be just as powerful and just as potent as they were initially. Um, 
I've been seeing this a lot lately, and I've talked on the show about it. Uh, I've been really studying Kurosawa's work, and I'm fascinated with how epic his films were, the scale in which he was able to put on film. And uh, he technically was just using the simplest of tools by modern-day standards. So, like, tripod and a camera on a tripod for some of it. Um, dolly work, obviously, uh, and track. Like, he had that stuff that existed. But it's just pretty simplistic and very imperfect because a lot of the tools at the time, uh, they were still trying to figure them out. And so some of his camera moves might be a bit shaky and dodgy here and there. Um, but it's fantastic, and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't need to be perfect. Um, and I really, really, really love how he blocks people and how he uh, uses the elements to tell a story. I'm obsessed with that. When I was doing uh, Who's There, uh, I really started to focus hard on the elements. Uh, wind, fire, um, water. Like, what do they mean on screen? What do they mean emotionally on screen? It's really fun stuff. And I, um, as I progress with the new movies that I'm working on, um, I really want to get into blocking with a large amount of extras. Um, I got to do that to a certain extent on the short 12 cam, but uh, as I progress, I want to introduce more and more of that. And I'm fascinated with how... Uh, an emotion can be punctuated by how like a large group responds to what one character says. That stuff is really fucking cool. Um, and these are things that when I am having trouble feeling inspired or if you get into a grind where you're just putting out, I don't know, like you, you have to do stuff for money, right? So you do a lot of corporate work, you do a lot of commercial work and and oftentimes, unless you're very fortunate, and I have a few clients like Dale Strong that allow me to uh, get creative, but more than not, you're dealing with clients that are just trying to hit the largest common denominator and sort of water it down and keep it as safe as possible. You know, just grab those lenses that are super crisp. Let's not do a move on this. Let's make sure that everything's in focus, like all that kind of stuff. And it could just start to grind on you creatively um, and I like to go back when I'm feeling that, when I'm feeling that stress and feeling that weight, I like to go back and watch the movies that I love so much as a kid. One of my favorite films, like I said earlier, one of my favorite film franchises is the Godzilla franchise. I think it's the longest running, uh, don't quote me on that, but I think it's the longest running film franchise out there. It beats out um, the James Bond franchise. Um, and it's it's so much fun. And each, each uh, generation of it, whether you're talking in the 50s and to the 60s, or you're talking the 70s and 80s, even the 2000s, as cheesy as they were, they're still interesting um, to, the, to the modern stuff. Uh, each one has its own charm, uh, and each one uh, takes advantage of new techniques and new styles, you know what I mean? Um, but looking back at the originals, if you go back to the Honda period, um, where that was in the 60s and 70s, uh, he did a really great job with miniatures 
And that is still astounding to me. It's still very, it, it, it's, it marvels me how the, the amount of detail that these technicians would put into these miniatures, into the, almost like a photorealistic recreation of streets in Tokyo. Um, and they would spend like weeks building these things to essentially just to, to blow them up, to destroy them. <laughs> it is so cool to me. Like I, I, I want to do some miniature work as I progress and I start to do uh, bigger films because I think that there's something so amazing about capturing things optically and uh, running light through a lens and uh, seeing it on set. I really, really enjoy that stuff. Selfishly, it's sort of a fun experience for me. And one of my favorite parts of the early Godzilla films are the miniatures. And is this art, the craft that goes into um, creating perspective, you know, and depth. And it isn't just like building like a tiny little town. It's building it in different stages, different levels uh, to give the illusion that it's bigger. Um, like they'll build uh, like a larger version of an interior of a building. Um, but it's still, you know, like five feet or whatever, four feet and then have smaller miniatures in the background so that way when the guy in the suit walks by, it feels real. Like, like they build in the illusion of perspective. Really cool stuff. Very difficult to do, you know? And I, I always hate the notion that when you look at older films, you sort of blow it off like, yeah, it was a different time. That stuff's older and easier. And now we, we're into the new technical shit and like you have to build things CGI. It is older, but it wasn't easier. It was... Uh, it, it was a craft. Like, that was a hands-on, hand-built craft that uh, still exists today because they still do a lot of that stuff. Um, uh, what is it? Tokusatsu, I think is what they call it. Hold on. Let's see if we can play a little clip here that will explain it for us. Tokusatsu is a word in the Japanese language which roughly translates to special effects or special entertainment, and is often shortened to toku. For the most part in Japan, toku is considered to be a catch-all term for any live-action media that features heavy use of special or practical effects. Because of this, some Western shows and movies such as Battlestar Galactica, Doctor Who, Knight Rider, and even Thomas the Tank Engine are considered tokusatsu in Japan. However, for the purposes of this video, and probably the future of my channel, I'm going to be mostly speaking about toku series made in the East, since the Western tokusatsu fandom, which I am a part of, mostly think of tokusatsu as looking like this. <laughs> this dude is a total nerd about this stuff. Um, but I'm going to give a little shout out to him. I'm, I'm watching, um, uh, it's on YouTube. And uh, it's the Vacuuminator, I guess. Vacuuminator is what his, his name is. I'll put a link below. I'll give him a shout out so that you guys can actually walk, watch the stuff. But uh, Tokusatsu was the, the, the name for actually building these like miniature special effects movies and TV shows. Like uh, Godzilla was big into it. Um, and that was Toho. Uh, I think Toho also did Ultraman, which was that TV series. Everybody was really nerdy about that which then uh, became like Power Rangers. And then, uh, you know, if you weren't into Godzilla as a kid, there were a lot of kids that were into Gamera. I don't know if you guys remember Gamera, the flying turtle. 
a giant turtle that would pull its body into its shell and then the flames would spit out it'd spin around and fly around <laughs> so stupid <laughs> but I love this shit and you know looking back I understand why uh, as a kid um, this was you know showing my age I'm 40 here guys so this was pre-cable there were only a handful of, uh, of uh, television stations on TV Probably like 14, 15, I think, when I was younger. Um, and I lived, I grew up here in Boston, and uh, we had this station called uh, Channel 56. It was LVI 56. And they used to do um, this amazing uh, Saturday afternoon show called Creature Feature. I'm looking it up as I do this. Double Feature. Yeah, so it was called Creature Double Feature on W. LVI TV 56. Some of you uh, older listeners may actually uh, know this stuff. Let me see if I can play a clip. Hello, and welcome to the Creature Double Feature. This afternoon, find out who will be the victor when vicious monsters engage in a fierce and bloody battle in Godzilla's <laughs> Revenge. I used to love then this show. A world-famous diamond detective encounters a gigantic jellyfish. In Dagora, the space monster. <laughs> that was where I first saw Godzilla vs. Megalon. That is where I first saw like uh, Destroy All Monsters. Um, I think I don't think I saw the original Godzilla on there. My first movie was Godzilla vs. Megalon, and then it was uh, Godzilla vs. Mothra, uh, which is a fantastic movie, by the way. Um, and then uh, after that, it was like Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, and so on and so on. They were just a lot of fun. And at the time, you know, I'm a, I'm a little kid. ...within the uncharted depths of waters surrounding a group of islands off the 50th parallel lies man's most formidable challenge. The awesome awakening of prehistoric monsters long thought extinct. Savage and deadly... Their one hope is to rule our planet as they once had thousands of years back. Giant against giant. The ultimate battle. Godzilla versus Megalon. And this is well before any uh, CGI stuff. And then uh, most of the other monster stuff was uh, all, you know, uh, claymation. Like stop claymation, stop animation, that kind of stuff. Um, and seeing uh, a giant creature, which it didn't... I, as a kid, I didn't put one and two together. I didn't think that there was someone inside of it. It was suspension of disbelief here, guys. I, I was like, weird. What a weird creature they have for this thing. Um, and it was... It, it really inspired me. And I think one of the most interesting parts about it was that uh, they would... They were kind of restricted with what they could do um, but they would constantly uh, replay over and over again the roars of each of the creatures, each of the monsters that it would fight. So, like, you would hear Godzilla roar hundreds of times within one of those movies, and, and it eventually just sort of seeps into your subconscious, and you continuously hear that roar. Um, and then with all of its characters that it was fighting against, whether it was, like, Mothra or Rodan, um, all those sounds became... Uh, really important for the series and actually one of my favorite parts of them 
And then uh, they would have like these really fantastic uh, theme songs for each of the characters, especially Godzilla's theme, which I think this is it here. Yeah, super cool, right? It's amazing how much the music and the sound actually helped uh, sort of blur the edges of oftentimes bad special effects. Such a great, great score. Such a powerful score. And honestly, they really haven't been able to recreate this with any of the newer versions of it. I'm fascinated with uh, Michael Doherty's new one, The King of the Monsters, is coming out because supposedly he's reusing or bringing some of these themes into it. Like here. So rad, right? They changed it slightly every year. They brought in like those really deep, deep horn sections and strings. I love this shit, man. Music was so good. loved it and so for me like Godzilla movies at least this time period which was the Honda time period it was really just about the music for me and of course as a kid I loved Godzilla I loved the way he looked and the fights were kind of cool but you you were restricted with dudes in suits you know what I mean so it just hits this point where they run at each other and they punch each other and then they would do the hand-painted special effects of like the uh, atomic breath that came out of Godzilla or like lasers that came out of Mechagodzilla, like all that stuff looked really rad and combine that with uh, pyrotechnics and they would just uh, outfit the suits with uh, tiny little explosions that they would do live in the space. So all that stuff is really cool. And something that I didn't realize until I got much older and I started to really examine how they made this stuff I didn't know that they shot all of the Godzilla stuff in slow motion because they thought that when you saw a person like actually running around in a suit at regular speed, it felt cheap, it felt smaller. And there was something interesting about when they actually did it slightly slowed and Godzilla was moving uh, in that slow motion uh, frame rate that he just felt denser and bigger. So if you ever look at any behind-the-scenes stuff for the old Godzilla movies, you'll see, like, just some dude jumping around in a suit and waving his arms around. Um, but and when they actually applied that slow-motion stuff to it, it becomes bigger and, and, and more intense, which is really interesting because I wonder how they've had to tackle that as they move into the newer movies. Because if you watched the uh, first Godzilla movie that, that came out... Um, 
he still moved kind of slow and he was bigger and fatter and chunkier and they still have retained that with the new one the king of the monsters movie that's coming out um and i wonder if they had to take that stuff into consideration like uh, they could definitely make these creatures move at whatever speed they want right now because uh, cgi you're not really restricted by that and you know like if you watch jurassic park if you watch um, like any of the alien movie stuff, th those creatures move around really, really fast. So why is it that these giant creatures have to move so slow for us to believe it? Um, I remember listening to some commentary where they were talking about how they were looking uh, to nature to help design Godzilla and how he moved. And uh, one of the uh, creature effects artists went and hung out at the zoo and was obsessed with elephants. He was talking about how when elephants walk, you never see the bottom of their feet. Their feet are always pointed down as they clump, clump, clump. And apparently they uh, really sort of took inspiration from that as far as Godzilla's movements were concerned. And the guy in the suit was obsessed with that stuff. And he would try to walk very similar to what the elephants did by never showing the bottom of his feet, which is super cool, right? Um... So yeah, uh, I love those movies. And like I said, when they rebooted them and they got into the 80s, so for the return of Godzilla. I was super into it because I initially I had just seen those original 60 ones, which were a little cheesy and the music was really great. But then Godzilla 1985 came and it was just dark. And I was a, I was a little kid when I got this. And my parents picked me it up on uh, VHS, and I don't think they really... They would never watch them with me. They would go, oh, cool, it's another Godzilla movie. Just give it to Mike, it's fine. Um, and this one was really dark, uh, and I really, really loved it. Uh, the miniatures, the, like, they built much larger, much more detailed miniature sets. They lit them really dark and very interesting. Uh, they started to work with, like, animatronic heads, so they would cut into a close-up when he roared. Uh, and they changed his design. It became a bit bulkier and a, and a hell of a lot meaner. And this stayed through the 80s and into the 90s. Uh, and it's my favorite time period for Godzilla movies still to this day, even with all the new stuff that's out. I think it's the best by far. Really cool stuff. So like, if you're new to the Godzilla franchise... And you're excited about the new King of the Monsters movie that's coming out. I would suggest you start at Godzilla 1985. You know, the return of Godzilla. Watch there and go through the 80s and 90s. Um, because it isn't as cheesy. And you'll start to really fall in love with the techniques, with the tricks, with the monster, with the scores, with the sound effects, with the roars. Um, and then if you get into that, then go back and watch the 60s. And obviously watch the first. I think it was like 1954. Uh, the very first one is important because they are constantly referencing that. Um, but uh, I, would, I would highly suggest you go into the 80s and see if you can fall in love with them the same way I did. Now, there's a big difference between being a modern day moviegoer uh, because you have everything like you have Transformers you have 
you know, Pacific Rim and even the new Godzilla movies, which are a huge spectacle, very big blockbuster sort of CGI stuff. Uh, but I suggest that if you go back and look at this stuff, you have to really change your mindset. You have to be excited to go back and look at the visual language of cinema taking shape here. And these guys were really changing the game, like very much reinventing special effects, practical special effects for film. Uh, and it was, uh, it's a really rad, rad time period. It's a cool thing to see. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's going to be what uh, today's mini episode on uh, Movies That Shape Us is all about. Uh, I'm super excited for the new Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters movie. Actually, let's see. I think I have the trailer here. Let me see if I can play that. We'll find out if uh, like uh, any of this stuff gets flagged and pulled down. But we'll put it up here anyways. Let's listen to it. They, these trailers have been fucking fantastic for the new movie. And I'm envious. I'm envious of how cool it looks. The fact that he got access to all the monsters to be able to do King Ghidorah, do Mothra, do Rodan. Because um, you fall in love with these creatures, these characters, as you go back and you watch these things. Uh, over 30 movies with all these characters in them. Um, and so he has access to all these for this movie. And uh, I love the way he's lighting it. I love the colors in it. Super rad. Really cool shit. Let's see if we can play a little trailer. This new final trailer came out. What we are witnessing here is the return of Titans. How many of these things are there? Seventeen and counting. That's messed up. <laughs> Mothra. Rodan. Kidora. Oh my. They're moving like a pack. They're hunting. They all respond directly to an alpha. We stop this Ghidorah. We stop them all. Is there another creature that might stand a chance against him? It's all about the sound effects. Our planet will perish. And so will we. We set Godzilla free. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's bring him in for a beer. No, this time we join the fight. Run. Godzilla's world. We just live in it. Damn right. I'll be there opening weekend. Hopefully you guys will too. 
If you love Godzilla, go and support this movie. Go see it. Opening weekend, I cannot fucking wait. And you know what? I love being able to still get this excited about movies. God damn it. This is why I make movies. This is why I want to make movies for you guys. Um, There's just something so wonderfully fulfilling about seeing a great movie and experiencing it with other human beings in the theater. So that's it, man. Thanks for listening to this mini episode of In Love with the Process. Uh, There are plenty more full episodes on the way, um, but I just wanted to sit here and nerd out with you guys a little bit. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 